0: This call is being recorded.
1: Today, we continue with the crossover series. So it will be AFC South, AFC North 3, Cleveland Browns here. Jeff Lloyd, host of Locked On Browns. Tony Wiggins, host of Locked On Jaguars. Today's episode of Locked On Jaguars and Locked On Browns is brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market. Go right now get $10 off your first Box of Built Bar when you go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code Locked On this way. And one of the cool things about it is variety packs. Normally, you just get a variety pack. You can customize your own at BuiltBar.com. Again, use the promo code Locked On to get $10 off your first box. Tony, first time we've gotten to sit down and chat here. Obviously, we'll get to do this again in late November as the Browns travel down to Jacksonville. Fingers crossed, hopefully, for the matchup in the 2020 season. How's everything going with you, Tony? How's everything? you know, Ben, so far, I know you're down in Florida here, you know, you're busy guys starting to hopefully get back to work here. How's everything going for you?
0: It's going okay. You know, you know, you know, my wife's probably sick of me, you know what I'm saying? You know, I I didn't realize how much she probably didn't like me when she has to look at me almost 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So, uh, but uh, so far, so good in Florida, people are still practicing social distancing. We're, we're kind of slowly getting back into the swing of things and, uh, Jeff, man, it seems like football is, is going to happen at some point in some sort of capacity. Uh, the draft was really fun. Free agency was really fun because people paid more attention to it because they didn't have a lot of other things to do. So uh, outside of that, man, just waiting to see if things can get back to a sense of normalcy. Uh, just waiting to see what they do. We're waiting to see the decisions they make with Goodell and how they're going to move forward.
1: Yeah, uh, and look, I mean, and this is one thing I try to explain to a lot of people is, you know, the thing with college football is, you know, you kind of need college open. And the other thing is the college money and TV just ain't what it is in the NFL. So the NFL can maybe do this with a little bit more of a sparse crowd and still find a way to turn themselves at revenue. You know, the NFL always find a way to make money. But well, let's talk a little bit Jaguars oh, yeah. here, Tony. Um, you know, last year, obviously, disappointment here. And after that great run, and I'll still say to anybody that'll listen, they should have won that AFC championship game. Except for a bad call a few years back. And now you look at where this franchise is now, similar to where Cleveland is, you know, scratching and clawing to get yourself back to respectability to where you were. And obviously for you guys, a really, really tough division with the AFC South. Take us through a little bit here, the free agency and the draft that they've, you know, that they've gone through this year. You know, probably still maybe a year away here, but just give some thoughts process on some of the work they've done here as far as, you know, replenishing some of the talent they've lost the last couple of years.
0: Yeah, they took a different approach in free agency. Normally, the Jags would make a big splash in free agency because, as you mentioned, they had been built. They had a lot of top five picks, and they had been building with young guys. And then that's when they started to go out and reach for the Malik Jacksons and the Calais Campbells and bring those guys in as sort of leaders who could get this team over the hump. But the hump never, you know, was conquered. So they they sort of retooled it a little bit. And what happened is a lot with that early success they had in 2017. A lot of players begin to realize just how good they were or think they realize how good they were. And, and then you saw the problems that come with success. And uh, it's not necessarily all on the players. I do blame uh, the leadership of the franchise for the way that they moved. Uh, however, what they've done now is they've purged that. They've done more. They use all 12 draft picks. They got a lot of young guys, a lot of speed guys. Uh, So they're going to be looking for young players again to be the leaders because there are not a lot of older leaders here. Uh, They used the draft to get C.J. Henderson and Chase on in the first round. More importantly, in free agency, they signed Joe Schobert. And I know that you have some insight on that that you can give the Jaguar fans here because they have not had a true middle linebacker since Paul Puzlusling retired a couple of years ago, and you could tell. Their run fits are horrible. Uh, So we're looking forward down here to Joe Schober being a fix to that, being that you're a Cleveland guy, you could probably help us decide whether that's going to happen.
1: Um, and it was actually funny, you know, Joe and his wife, I got to know them well over the last few years, Joe actually was on the show a couple of times here. And as it started to roll on, it saw that this new administration, this new front office, they're just not linebackers, not really important to them. Um, obviously they, you know, Joe got walked, Christian Kirksey walked. They didn't address it hard through a free agency. They didn't necessarily address it hard through the draft. It's just, position that they're not going to emphasize here. It's going to be more D-line. It's going to be more nickel and dime play with Cleveland. Joe is – and, you know, we've said, you know, for years on the show that Miles Garrett was the most talented player on this Browns defense. But in the same respect, Joe Schobert may have been the most important. Joe was the quarterback, the captain of that D. You saw many a young player with their eyes on Joe, making sure that they were lined up in the right spot. A lot of last second, you know, peeking over and a lot of verbiage between Joe and somebody. You know, this is my assignment, right? And Joe essentially – you know, confirming that for these guys, Joe, one of the things that really impressed me, you know, and a ton, a ton of tackles, you know, three years, seasons in a row, over a hundred tackles was the coverage aspect. He is really, really smart in that respect. He, you know, started by going to Wisconsin as a safety, as a walk-on had a lot of experience as, you know, a cover guy at, you know, as a secondary guy, he was just incredible with that role. He knew exactly where to be. He was really smart about handing his coverage assignment off. If the guy was traveling out of his zone. He literally walked him almost to the next guy here. You're getting a leader. You're getting a guy that shows up every day. Um, it's kind of quiet about how he does it. He's not loud. He's not vocal. He just does his business day in, day out. I've got a chance to talk to both of them You know, since you know, the transition here. Now they're going to be headed down to Jacksonville. They're excited. You know, And Joe got this contract. Joe de- earned this contract. Joe deserved this contract tenfold, a million times over. So for him to get this opportunity, we're extremely you – know, I'm just happy for the guy in general. It just stinks that it wasn't here in Cleveland because we thought he could have been, you know, a big part of hopefully what will be brighter days here. But, you know, at the end of the day, that is what it is here. One guy I want to talk about with you here, Yannick Ngakwe. Now, with Mm -hmm. obviously a first-round pick spent last year in a defensive end, another defensive end drafted early here. Is he part of this future in Jacksonville? Do you think he is a member of the Jaguars come week one in 2020?
0: that's weird that you asked. If I have to say, if I have to give you a definitive answer, I'll say yes, because as of this point, he hasn't lost any money. You know, they put the franchise tag on him and he was offered a contract extension last year. However, we know he was going to play that last year under the the old $2 million number and the extension, even if he'd had gotten bonus money up front, it would have been coming off of the money that he's earned, that he would be earning now. So it's almost like, they're loaning you your own money up front. So he hasn't lost anything. If he doesn't sign the franchise tender and get his butt in here, that's when he's going to start losing money. But they're taking a very hard line that they're not going to trade him. I do believe uh, in best-case scenario for him, it's a one, it's one more year here, and then he tests the market next year. I just think they're trying to send a message that they're no longer going to trade people who just asked to be traded, because that's what happened to Jalen Ramsey, and I think they're taking a hard stance on it. Now, people in the building actually love him. You take the business side away, he comes to work. He, everything you just said about Joe Schobert, that's who Yannick Ngakwe is. Guys, thirty-eight and a half sacks 38 and a half sacks in four years. So um, he's a very, very good football player, and if he were on the market, he would reset it. But he, he's a, he, he got franchise tag, he hated it. They offered him a deal last year. While it was okay, it was more along the lines of of what you see Daniel Hunter get. He wanted more of the line of what you saw DeMarcus Lawrence and Frank Clark get. So there's a big difference in gaps in uh, in guaranteed money. Uh, it, people are split around here. They thought they should have resigned him. I still think that they lowballed him. That they should resign him to a long term deal. But here's the problem: he don't want to be here anymore. He's done with him. He's finished. So. I do think they've drafted his replacement, but I think if you know they had their druthers, they'd have him here for another year while the the young guy develops out of LSU. Put him in a lightning package, sort of the way you saw Green Bay play, with guys standing up all over the place, and and then let him hit free agency next year. He's twenty; he just turned twenty-five, man. So you know he's not past his prime. But but it's bad. The Jacksonville, the Jaguars have to start retaining good players and not let them go.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. You get yourself in the same situation where it's, oh, well, if we hit, 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 well, what's wrong with just, you know, essentially just keeping some of your own here? But I do agree. It it seems pretty ugly, and, you know, the spats on social media here, you know, those things, it almost looks like it's a crossroad where, you know, how do you go back? You know, how does he come into the building? You know, it it doesn't seem like they're, you know, going to up the ante, so to speak, for him. So the question is, is, you know, when is the right time to get the max value for a player? of that ilk here. One more on the Jaguars here. Um, you know, Minshew mania obviously was, it was great last year. And he was a guy I liked. Yeah, you know, we, we likened him as somebody that could maybe come in and, you know, maybe have been a, a backup to Baker Mayfield. You know, similar type of skill set, smaller guy, fiery guy here. question is, Tony, do you, uh, do you guys truly think he's the answer or is 2020 essentially going to write the story on how long Minshew mania is a thing down in Duval? I think
0: he's earned the right to show us whether he's the, the man or not. If you ask me personally, I have my reservations. It's only because I'm just that snobby football guy. I believe he's a guy who's ready to play. I, I think he's a coach. He's like, I, I've said this, and Jaguar fans have heard this, it's like Sean McVay in uniform. I think he's that dude, really. He, he has a memory. He understands. He's a coach on the field. And really, there's a part of his game, and I know Cleveland fans, you know, Jag fans have heard me say this, Cleveland fans, he's actually what he's kind of the guy everybody hoped Johnny would be. He plays off schedule. The the fans love him almost; they love him here sort of the way Philly people love AI. He, he kind of personifies the city. The dude rides around in an RV with cut off shorts on and headbands, and he, <laughs> he's the type of dude you want to go to the beach and and you, you probably can cook a really good burger or steak on the grill. And you know what I'm saying? He's just that dude. He's Gardner, so it's almost like uh, he he's earned the right. Football coaches always talk about if you earn it, we'll give it to you. Well, guess what? He earned it. See, the kid had 21 touchdowns and six picks, was rookie of the week seven times, and, and still didn't get any consideration for rookie of the year. He's earned it, man. If you don't give him the opportunity, then you're just blowing smoke and you're just speaking coach speak. If you don't give him the shot that he absolutely earned, so we'll see this year. They really have to make sure that teams a couple of teams did something last year, Jeff. They they forced him to play on schedule. And what I mean by that is they pass rushed him but stopped. They didn't run past his, you know, his his, his shoulders. And when you don't run past his shoulders and you don't give him anywhere to go, and this is the odd part, because you don't hear this with great quarterbacks. They actually forced him to play from the pocket and play on schedule. How many times have you heard somebody say they want to force Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, or Philip Rivers to play on schedule? No, they're trying to—they're trying to force them. They're trying to get them out of there, right? They're trying—no, make him play off schedule. You make him play off schedule, man, and you might as well—you can forget it. You know, it's like Pele. You know what I'm saying? So, the thing is, is you wonder if teams are going to now get to the point. Greg Williams came in here. Uh, yeah, yeah, Greg Williams blitzed him to death. You know, with the Jets and the kid killed him, and I know Cleveland fans know exactly what I'm talking about with Greg Williams. He was blitzing them all. The- Every time he blitzed him, the kid ran for 15 yards, or or ran and the linebackers got sucked in, and then he did a scramble route and somebody got open. You can't play it like that. So I wonder if teams are going to figure that out. And if they do, will that expose? Uh, hopefully for him, what he's done though. When you look at guys like Chase Daniel and all of these guys, Gardner Minshew has made sure that he's going to get a paycheck for 10 years minimum. Now. He wants to make sure that he can tell people that he's going to be a starter. I I do think worst-case scenario, he's Ryan Fitzpatrick, and that's a guy forever. He can always be the guy until the next guy, and you can win some games with him. I don't, for a fact, though, know if he's a, a championship quarterback. That's a very hard thing for me to say.
1: Yeah, it's in look if you can find somebody on day 3 to come and be your future quarterback and you know and you can get those you know viable years essentially where you're not paying your quarterback a ton and if it works out well here and this team progresses a lot then he can go to look to free agency next year spend some money there And hopefully, you know, get yourself into a contending spot. But there's no denying what he did. You know, granted, it wasn't a huge sample size. It wasn't a full season. But you saw enough where it's, hey, you know, we may have something here. And I think that was one of the things people knew about him going through the process. And people thought if he could succeed, it it would be right away. You know, coming from Mike Leach, obviously, you know, he, he learned a lot. And obviously learned about the passing game and, you know, how to succeed with what he is. And he's comfortable in his own skin. That was one of the most impressive things I took away from Gardner Minshew in year one. Guys, we're going to flip it up here in a second. We're going to get to some Browns talk with Tony Wiggins, host of Locked On Jaguars. Jeff Lloyd, host of Locked On Browns. iTunes, Spotify. Now's a good time to go ahead. Make sure you subscribe. Leave those ratings and reviews. We'll be back here in a second with Jeff Lloyd and Tony Wiggins. The best tasting bar. It's hard to explain it. You just kind of have to experience for yourself. Real chocolate, amazing flavors. Um, For me, the mint chocolate cream is one of my absolute favorites. I've already ordered a box of more of those. Um, They come to the house. uh, The kids, you can kind of dupe them into it. It's sweet. It's good. It tastes like candy. Um, If you are a nut-free house, you're able to take care of that. Uh, You can customize your box. They have plenty of things that are not free, so you can go ahead and check that out. It's not greedy. It's not much aftertaste. It's just good. Again, kind of like a candy bar. Amazing combination of low-calorie, high-protein, and low-sugar. No crazy additives. If you compare it to the most popular men's bar, it has seven times the fewer calories, seven times fewer carbs, seven times fewer sugar grams, and more protein. How can it taste that good and still be good for you? That is Built Bar's, Built Bar's secret for them to keep. Go to builtbar.com. Use the promo code locked on and get ten dollars off your first box at builtbar dot com. Uh Tony and I we're gonna continue this here. We're gonna talk here some Browns off season and that next segment here we'll just talk NFL in general as you know, Tony and I we're just getting to go each other here first time and obviously you guys will hear us again uh, you know, somewhere before November twenty
0: ninth. Yeah, man. Hopefully. And uh, uh, I think there's going to be a very, very important game. They went through a, one of the radio stations. One I used to work at here in Jacksonville went through a, a schedule and, and next year and they went through each each and every game. And that was one of the more entertaining games that they discussed uh, for a number of reasons. I think, Jeff, one of the parallels that I'll draw is the Jaguars have been bad for so long that when they got sort of good, even the year they, that we talked about in 2017, they were 10-6, and six, man. They had, they had to win down the stretch. and They almost lost the game prior to uh, the Pittsburgh game that they ended up winning at Hinesville. They almost lost to Buffalo. And they had Blake Bortles, who wasn't a great passer. So I think they got a little bit drunk off of success because they had been sober for so long. Is that what happened in Cleveland? Because every last year, people were picking Cleveland to go to the Super Bowl. After winning one game in like 35 or so games or whatever, they had a little bit of success where it won some games, and it seemed like people kind of went overboard to think that, hey, this thing is done. There's a little parallel between those two clubs in that respect. So what on earth happened that that thing turned around last year and started to go backwards again?
1: I think what you saw in 2018 in the success here that, you know, Baker Mayfield had had as a rookie is you saw that Baker was just, you know, and you saw Baker almost as a team player. There were really, you know, Jarvis Landry was here and had a good year in 2018. But the rest of it and his weapons, not really stars in the game. You know, Darren Fells got a really good taste, went on to a really great season in 2019 with the Houston Texans. Rashard Higgins had the best career, best year of his NFL career in 2018. Uh, you know, Duke Johnson was a vital part of that offense. Um, David Ajoku, who at the time was a second year tight end, had a tremendous, tremendous season in 2018 as well. You know, once Baker realized, you know what, this guy is so big, he's so athletic i got to make sure the ball goes numbers or higher. Once Baker knew if he was throwing the ball to David Nujoku, it had to be to the numbers or higher, he found a talent and found somebody that he really, really worked well with. Now you flash forward this to 2019. I think John Dorsey's mistake here was just to throw names at it. And, all right, well, if we just get this kid bigger and better talent, it's going to work. But the problem was he went out and bought great groceries. He went out and he thought he had a really good recipe. Problem was, is he had a cook in the kitchen, Freddie Kitchens, no pun intended, who was in way over his head. And, you know, I bought into it. A lot of fans bought into it. A lot of people who cover this team bought into it. What Freddie Kitchens had done with Baker Mayfield in that offense going down the stretch in 2018. They gave him the opportunity, but the problem was, and what we're already seeing differently, you know, Freddie was a catchphrase guy and he liked to be rah, rah about everything. And we were buying into it. And, but the problem is, and look, everybody bought into it. Browns were on the cover of the, you know, sports illustrated NFL preview issue. That stuff just don't happen. So everybody kind of bought in, but in fact, what did you have? You had an Odell Beckham jr. Who was injured. You had a Jarvis Landry who was injured. These guys were literally only practicing on Friday. So there's no way to really get cohesion between Baker and these guys. David Ajoku, Rashard Higgins, two guys that I had mentioned, they combined for almost 100 receptions in 2018. 2019, they had nine combined. So you've taken away two people that he grew really comfortable with. Darren Fells wasn't here. Duke Johnson wasn't here. Two more guys he had success with. Antonio Callaway, as you guys probably know, obviously, certainly know well down there. You know He bit his tongue, so to speak, as a rookie, bought in line, stayed out of trouble. Well, started the season with a four game suspension. When he came back, had no idea what he was doing. They were moving him all over the place, and it was just way too much for the kid to grasp. He never became an asset in 2019. These are all guys that Baker was working really well with in 2018. You know, Callaway obviously, you know, again, spit the bit and got himself and you know, obviously you now out of the NFL now. So it just it, there was just too much. And they just tried to put too much on the plate. Freddie was in way over his head. The offense had no identity. You know, normally, you know, you watch enough football. It's all right. Well, they're doing this. Oh, you know what they're going to do now? If they're doing this, they're doing this to set up that. There was none of that. I mean, and a lot of it was, it was like a kid playing Madden. And it was just, oh, I'm going to run this. So I'm going to run. And there was no rhyme or reason. The only consistent thing this team had last year was Nick Chubb. Fantastic second season, five yards per carry again. But it just wasn't enough. And then they were trying to get the passing game going so much. There were times where they just completely ignored Nick Chubb, which was the only thing they had going. And then by the time they decided to get Nick Chubb back involved in games, you were already down 10 points. You know, once you're down double digits, you're pretty right. much strapping your running game. So they had no choice there. Defensively, they, they did not have enough. They needed more on the defensive line. They didn't have it. Olivier Vernon, as much as Olivier Vernon is a talented player when he's there, you can't dismiss the fact that he's injured and injured a lot. So with the time he missed, then you throw in Miles Garrett's suspension. You throw in Joe Schobert was playing with a rookie linebacker, Mack Wilson as a fifth round pick. They had no envisions of Mack Wilson playing a big, big role in 2019. Christian Kirksey got hurt. It's the way everything split. Mack Wilson had to play a lot. While he did have a pretty good rookie season, if you take it under the lens of he was a fifth round pick, still, still light years away from being a full, competent, you know, upper echelon linebacker. Secondary, they lost their two cornerbacks for a month, the same month. It's not like they lost one and then lost another one. These guys were both gone for the same amount of time four weeks to hamstring injuries after week two. This team had eight safeties on the roster. By the time they got down to crunch time, the end of the season, they were playing safeties six, seven and eight. The defense had nobody left. It was kind of like Joe Schobert, a man alone. And it just wasn't enough. And, you know, even games that were close, they just didn't have enough to stop some of these teams able to stop the running game. And it just came back to bite them in the butt. It was just too much on the plate. There was too much put into it. And it was put into the hands of incompetence, and like I said, Freddie, with the catchphrases and this, that, and the other thing, what we hear now—whether it's general manager Andrew Barry, whether it's head coach Kevin Stefanski—they talk in unison, and it's about fit, and it's about goals, and it's about this is what we're looking to accomplish. It's—it's it, it's no pomp and circumstance. It, it sounds professional, and to this point, it—it it smells of being a professional franchise.
0: Well, as you know, it always happens in the off season, and and the coach speak always sounds good, and- and, I, you know, I tell people every year after the draft and after free agency, and uh, I did an interview with Dave Caldwell, and the fans were really happy about it. But, you know, you always have to warn people. There are 32 guys that speak for these teams and 32 guys that sound like they know what they're talking about. And 32 guys with a plan, but the bottom line is at the end of the year, there are going to be three or four teams that actually have a damn chance that's going to win this thing. One right. of the things I noticed about Baker, and I'll get back to him, is when he first came out and he would say stuff and be sort of outlandish and outspoken, people were like, well, Cleveland needs that because he's going to have to be that way because of the toughness of that city and uh, the, the narrative of, you know, Cleveland's always a punchline to people's jokes, so you need a guy that's tough like that that's going to stand up. I always caution myself when guys are like that because I said that's going to be fine until things don't go well, and then if he's like that, now it's going to be a problem. The point where it turned for me was when he spoke out about Duke Johnson and said said something about Duke Johnson's contract. It's one thing to say something about Hugh Jackson. It's another thing to talk about a current player on your team, and I know that probably didn't go over well with some guys in his locker room. And then the only way he could get out of that is for things to go well for him, and then when they didn't, now all of these things, whether it's with Rex Ryan or whether it's this or that, now everybody looks at Baker from the outside saying, he needs to just shut up and learn how to play before he, talk, he talks anymore.
1: Um, I, I think exa- what you're hitting on, you're hitting on a great point here. And when they talked about, you know, and obviously Cleveland had the number one selection in 2018. So, you know, you could have said Sam Darnold. You could have said Baker Mayfield, Josh Rosen. Thank God that one never came up as fast. You know, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen. But the reason that they went and they chose Baker Mayfield is exactly what you said. They felt he had, you know, the basically the right, You know, his jib was cut the right way. He could handle this city. And he was the guy, and I remember this going back to when they met Georgia in the Rose Bowl. Obviously, they eventually lost. You know, he had been sick for a couple of days. So, you know, the media only got access to everybody else. Baker finally just said, you know what, look, I'm going to come. I'll talk today. I'm still not feeling great. And his point was, is I'm the quarterback of this team. This is my job. It's not his job to talk about me. It's not that guy's job to talk about me. I'm the quarterback. I'm the person that's supposed to talk about this team, supposed to talk about this offense. And, yeah, it, all, it went flying well. It went really well. You talk about going from 0-16 in 2018 to 7-8-1 in, you know, in, uh, in 2018. So, I mean, that was huge. And you know, that was on him. And, yes, I will forever say that. And this goes back to you know forever in whatever professional sport it is. You never talk about another man's money. That's just not what you okay. do. Baker knew he was wrong and, you know, he did his best to, you know, try to patch things up with Duke Johnson, but for Duke Johnson, it was, well, look, why am I going to risk anything? Y'all don't want me here. And for Duke, it was the most confusing thing in the world because, you know, John Dorsey extended his contract, gave him a really nice extension, and then proceeded to go sign Carlos Hyde and proceeded to go draft Nick Chubb. So Duke Johnson was here on a contract extension and just never, just continued to get mixed signals from this run office and it was you know i understand it and the kareem hunt thing was probably the final straw because it was well look you know if you look at it on its face for what you were you know look you got kareem hunt cheap which necessarily cream is not worth that as long as you know you take the off you know field out of it he's an expensive running back duke johnson was well you're paying me the same money to do the same stuff but you went out and brought this guy in granted it dragged out way too long he should have been moved you know well well before as long as they let it go and travel on in the summer but, you know, also, there were times last year within those first eight games, they certainly could have used Duke Johnson. You didn't have Kareem Hunt. All you, all you had was Nick Chubb. And Duke Johnson would have easily, easily been your second best running back and certainly could have been an asset here. But, you know, that was, yeah, that was a big mistake for Baker. And, yes, it's gotten to the point here, and even with the media, you know, all these catchphrases and, you know, being outlandish and being brash, that's fine. You can do all that. But, again, W's got to persist. And the other thing is there's still some small faction of this media that will never forget that Baker Mayfield, when he was playing for Oklahoma, won a game at the Horseshoe in Columbus and planted that flag. And trust me, these people are weird. They carry this stuff. They really do. And that's where you get to the point where you go to the combine and you have one of the top beat writers of the Cleveland Browns referring to the quarterback number six as an effing midget. But, look, Baker puts himself in this position. I don't think he cares, and I think he's okay with it. But the problem is, is you know, it's it's only going to get worse if w, if W's don't persist,
0: right? So I want to ask you about Miles Garrett real quick, and then I want to ask you to say something to Jaguar fans once again about Joe Shobert because trust me, they're going to eat this up, man. They they have been dying to have a a quiet, questioned leader and a guy that you described, especially him being an every down player. They're going to hear this and they're going to want them to go back and get Calais Camel back. Cause now they're going to say, now you need both of those guys together. I'm telling you first <laughs> miles though, man, miles, uh, can he live it down? Is it, was, is it really just, you've been around him. Is it, is, is it anything about his character that makes you think he'll do this again? And can he ever get past the uh, swing a helmet at a gun? Uh, well,
1: look, and I will tell you right now, and that was probably the weirdest weirdest game the weirdest moment i've had in covering this team since 2017 i covered no in 16 season tony and that was nothing compared to that night that thursday night game and it was pittsburgh and it's there's like a universal rule in the AFC north you know look nobody likes anybody but everybody's in agreement we all hate pittsburgh the most and whether it's cincinnati whether it's baltimore whether it's cleveland you know everybody knows who they hate the most you know nobody likes anybody but, you know, if it was almost like an elimination island, Pittsburgh really won the, th- the other three threw off. So that night and getting that victory and, you know, showing this, you know, showing that franchise, hey, you know, we ain't kid brother anymore. You ain't going to kick us around the block. We're here. We're, gonna he- we're here to play. And how that all unfolded. And, you know, I covering miles like I do and seeing from the daily basis. I mean, here's a guy that got a dog. Guess what he did three weeks later? Invited as many fans as wanted to to come to the park for a dog date. Like, everybody bring your dogs. We're all going to hang out in the park. Wow. NFL players don't wow. do this. Season wow. uh, Series finale of Game of Thrones. He rented out a bar. Everybody came and watched it. People got dressed up. Like, it was so outside of his character. You know, there's no proof to it that exists or anybody else say that exists. Something went wrong there. Because I've never seen Miles even aggravated on a football field other than He gets calls for, you know, basically, you know, offsides, which I think Miles Garrett sometimes is so quick, and it's kind of like Derek Thomas. He's so quick, it looks like he's offsides. So you feel the obligation to call it. I've seen him frustrated in that level. He He is the best man on this team. And normally when you are the star of a team, you are not this great type of guy. I mean, even somebody tried to snap a picture with him. He rolled down his window. The guy got the picture and was a jerk enough to actually throw a punch at Miles Garrett. Could you imagine throwing a punch at six foot five, two hundred eighty pounds, and the guy runs a sub four five? Not really, really smart move. Absolutely, Miles. No, no. Miles is a smart man, and I think for him, it, it hurt him at his core because. And this is the worst thing that can happen when you're a professional athlete and you're in the spotlight: is you can do five thousand good things, you do one bad thing, and people who just want to hate and want to, you know, basically stir the pot, will go to that one thing and continuously needle at it. Miles Garrett, you know, if you ever want to use the term of, you know, one incident does not make up a man, that is absolutely the case with Miles Garrett. And, you know, it was a difficult situation, and for him to have to be away from the team, and, you know, obviously six-game suspension, and had to go back a couple of times with the league to prove himself, it, it, it The whole thing just it, – it hurt – I know it hurt him inside because people were truly questioning the man he is, and it, it wasn't based on everything else. Look, that incident on a football field, something happened. He lost it. Uh, I'm not concerned about it, um, and the Browns are in deep discussions. They would like to get this done sooner than later. They are ready to give him the bag, and I mean by bag, we're talking like the Santa Claus one that he comes down the chimney with. They are truly invested wow. in him being a face of this franchise, going further, and have thoughts of him one day not leaving just leaving the cleveland browns but leaving the cleveland browns and go walk across the street to canton ohio into the hall of fame my concerns there are not too great we got a couple more things we'll get to here we'll jump to these in this third segment here jeff lloyd from locked on browns tony wiggins locked on jaguars as we continue to take you through here crossover week on the locked on podcast network right now For a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash NBA, try it free for seven days, and save 25% off your new subscription. You've got an interesting division to deal with this year. Um, We're going to play them all. Obviously, you're going to have to play them six times, Tony. Uh, How... How do you think it shakes out here? Houston maybe made made some changes. I'm not necessarily sure it's for the good. Tennessee is essentially going to try to run it back with what they did last year. They got them to the AFC Championship game. Uh, And then the Colts here. You know, Phillip Rivers coming in after all those years in L.A., essentially for just a one-year shot to see if the Colts can get back to the playoffs and hopefully stay there going long-term. How do you feel the division stacks up and with you guys stacking up against these other three teams?
0: Well, I think we'll start with Houston. Houston, uh, it's weird. I don't think you lose DeAndre Hopkins and get better. That's that's not what I'm saying. I do think you lose a disgruntled superstar if you're the coach, and then you add speed in Brandon Cooks and uh, yeah, the other guy that they signed, the little slot dude from um, Green Bay. Way well, he played with Dallas last year. I can't remember his name. Oh. Randall Cobb. I, I think what he did, you, you combine that now with, uh, the, the other receivers they have in Fuller and Stills, they got faster. And, and, and uh, you know, and that's no consolation. and That's no reason to get rid of a guy that I believe is a first battle Hall of Fame and DeAndre Hopkins. But they got faster. I don't understand, you know, not making uh, Arizona give you a draft pick to take Derek Johnson, I mean, David Johnson at this point. But whatever. You know what I'm saying? It, it's like I've never seen an organization lose great players. Clowney and all of these dudes year after year after year and now Hopkins and then get better. But the one denominator that they have is Deshaun Watson. So anytime you have Deshaun Watson, you're going to have an opportunity to win football games. Uh, in terms of Tennessee, Tennessee kind of reminds me of the 2017 Jack. You know, they they were a wild card team. They went into the playoffs and made a run with defense in a running game. Can they back that up and do it again? Don't know. Is Ryan Tannehill – uh as good as he seemed like he was last year and have team figured it out. We'll see. In terms of Indy, that's the team that scares me a little bit because Phillip Rivers, not that at this stage in his career if he's as good as he used to be. But Phillip Rivers now will probably play behind the best offensive line in football. And it's probably the best one he's ever played behind. And then he's gonna be back with Frank Wright. And they have some weapons. They got some running backs, they got some receivers. Uh, and, and obviously, you know, with Darius Leonard and that crew, and now they traded, they made the trade for the big defensive tackle, DeForest Buckner. They're going to be something that you're not used to seeing. These aren't going to be the same old Colts. And I think uh, the GM ballot has done a very, very good job. So watch out for Indy being that team that all of a sudden makes that step up because they're the team, I believe, that's the most solid. Uh, maybe with uh, Tennessee coming in second in terms of being solid, because the people want to run Bill O'Brien out of town, and nobody knows uh, if Doug Marone is going to be around any longer, and he hasn't had a lot of success here. So I really believe Indy is the most solid team when you think about foundation and veteran leadership and a quarterback and a coach that are on the same page more than any team in this division, and I think you really, really have to watch out for them. And you guys are in the same situation, except is coming back. Then you got a new guy in Joe Burrow you know, obviously Baker has, has a lot that he's trying to prove. So right there in your own division, Baltimore, you know, that, that thing there is what it is. So um, you got to, you know, the quarterback play is going to determine a lot in your division too.
1: Yeah. For us. And, and this is, you know, and for me, and the one thing I have with you know with the Pittsburgh folks is it just seems like everybody's just like, all right, well, Ben's going to be Ben. Um, you know, we've seen the drop in Phillip. We've seen, you know, Eli Manning is now retired. We've seen the drop in his game for me look you know if, if Ben goes out and lights it up that's fine but until I see it I'm going to have a hard time believing he's just going to you know bounce back at that age and we're not talking about you know somebody who has the dedication to the craft so to speak like a Tom Brady does you know Ben looks like you know the dude that you know came off you know bold three, bold three games played nine holes of golf and then like all right yeah I guess we'll just you know we'll go play football now it just mm-hmm. for him to make that change is it's going to be interesting for me I think Baltimore, Baltimore may be in out of any team with what's going on here with the whole, you know, coronavirus and what can be limited and access and when teams are actually going to get back to the field. I think Baltimore might be in the best position out of any team in the NFL with that strong running attack. You're just going to run this back. You're essentially not changing many pieces. You know, there'll be a new guard. Um, they they drafted some young receivers that they're going to work into here, but they're essentially just going to run it back. So when they get finally to we get to a training camp. It's not going to be that hard for them. They're, you know, for them, it's, you know, well, this is what works for us. We can add some new wrinkles to it. But until you stop us from doing this, we're not too concerned about it. Cincinnati, um, and I get it for the Bengals fans. You know, it's been a while since they've had hope. Um, I still have major concerns about that offensive line. Um, You know, Jonah Williams, they say he's going to be their left tackle. I thought he was going to be a guard, a damn good one, and not disrespect him there. I thought he was going to be a really good guard. They still don't know who's playing right tackle for them. Their defense, they still got some holes there. I don't think it's going to be a huge jump. You know, a lot of talking. You know, A.J. Green, you know, again here, you know, A.J. Green has played, what, seven games in the last two seasons? You know, I have a hard time believing at 32 years old, A.J. Green's just going to – the light's just going to turn back on. And I don't think it's that bad. You know, Terrence Boyd has taken over as their number one receiver. John Ross and his speed is still something that defenses have to account for. They made a nice selection of T. Higgins that can fit into that room. So I think they have some weapons. I just don't know if Cincinnati is just there yet even with a pretty good free agent class, at least by their standards, I think they did a nice job there. I'm just not sure. But yes, I mean, look, all of these teams, you know, Lamar is the top dog. Can Ben come back to being that 4,500 yard, 5,000 yard pass where he was, you know, Baker, can they shake it all off, you know, let eight let 19 roll off their shoulders and get back to a more focused commitment to not just being a good team on paper, being a good team on the field here and Cincinnati, it's you know it's going to be a growing process. You know, obviously, they, I don't think they're going to be drafting first overall, but you know, there's a huge jump from you know drafting one overall and then getting yourself to the point where you know you're a six win team, seven win team. Um, I think they're going to need to put together another great draft class, and I think as Pittsburgh maybe fades away with Ben, that's when maybe Cincinnati will take their rise up in this division. Yeah.
0: So um, here, here's here's my, my my guess for the Jags: six and ten. But of the 10 games they lose, they are fighting like mad in eight of them. And, and and they're going to score a lot of points, but I don't think they're going to stop a lot of people because I think they're too young on defense. And that won't be a reflection of, of, of uh, Joe Shobert, by the way, because like you said, Joe Shobert is going to play well. Uh, but I just don't think it'll be enough in the grand scheme of things because I think the second day is a little bit out of, out of whack, and I'm not so sure uh, that their pass rush without Yannick Ngakwe being here is going to be able to generate – all of the pressure that they have in the past.
1: It's, you know, and six and 10, six and 10 wouldn't be terrible. I mean, and cause what you need to know is you need to know for Jacksonville is Gardner, the dude going further. Is it, was it not just a two-year run? Is it going to be a long, long-term run for him as a quarterback of this team? And then maybe I have more of an idea of, as far as identifying weapons and what exactly you want to put around him here. Um, and look, the Jacksonville fans, they're going to love Joe. Joe, it's, he is just the work ethic guy and even, you know, knowing him and, you know, there were nights where it was date night with his wife and he's taking her out and they're doing like, uh, you know, they're doing like rock climbing. And like this, like he doesn't have an off switch. It's about the game. He is more than appreciative of the God-given ability. He's given the opportunity he has within this league. And it was like, we would joke, you know, and there were fans here who weren't, you know, they were always trying to put it on him. Oh, well, Joe missed a tackle. Oh oh, yeah. All right. I mean, let's find a hard time. Let's give him a hard time. The guy's been a leading tackler 3 seasons in a row. Um done everything this team has asked for him. This franchise has asked for him. Made essentially no money as a fourth round pick and was you know the the middle linebacker and the leading tackler for 3 seasons in a row. They're you're going to love the commitment, you're going to love the work ethic and he's a guy and I've talked to other players on this team. They they got the mantra of, you know, we're going to be more like Joe. It's you know, it's not about show, it's not about, you know, celebrating it's you do your job and guess what if you did your job you were supposed to do your job and you continue to do your job uh play in play out as far as the browns this year it's it's going to be interesting because you're going to have to see where these nfc east teams come you know it's good that they're going to get washington early in the season giants are going to get late in the season obviously dallas and philly are going to be tough tests there's going to be some of these quarters you know whether it's weeks one through four you know weeks five through eight where they're going to have to find a way to steal a game or two, I think defense is going to take a little while to come around here. You've brought you signed uh, you signed two free agent safeties and Carl Joseph Anderson Dejo. You drafted Grant Elpit linebackers. We're not sure how that's going to work out, and I know this franchise isn't keen and big on linebacker play, but somebody's going to have to make some plays when they're called upon. There, the defensive line, I love the look of it right now. They have four guys on the interior. Miles, if you can keep Olivier Vernon healthy, then get one more edge rusher somewhere, and there's still a couple names out there. I think that would greatly assist this franchise, although they could use Sheldon Richardson in those situations if they just wanted to put other guys in the middle. So they have those type of things. I I, I think eight and eight, nine and seven is probably where you are unless you can get creative and steal a game or two. You know, Baltimore, they do play them well um, for six quarters. Obviously, they, they won handily at Baltimore in week four last year. When they played them later in the season, they held them, and they were, they were light at the time, really light on defense. But they held them down for almost you know two quarters before Baltimore really got going and made it a game that they couldn't come back. So those are obviously your litmus tests are those two Ravens games. But I, I think in cont- there should be in contention, and with seven playoff teams in the AFC and NFC this year, they should have a shot or at least be playing for one of those spots come week 17.
0: All right, fair enough, man. We did this whole thing and didn't really mention OBJ, and I think that's the way he wants it, and I think that's the way Cleveland fans want it until he shows them that he can stay healthy and do OBJ type things.
1: Yeah, we got we got some glimpses, um, but you know, had the surgery in January, uh, and you know, the looks of it now, and the videos that are coming out, he looks thicker than he ever has. Um, and it, I think for Odell, and even Odell understands that it's time to get him back to what he was. You know, for some people, the name has lost a little cachet. And there's always those who just want to, you know, basically drag somebody. And everybody, if they got the opportunity to drag a star, they're going to have a solid time doing this. For Tony Wiggins, for Jeff Lloyd, Locked On Jaguars, Locked On Browns. Continuing here, crossover week. Tony's Jaguars with the teams from the AFC North. Obviously, me with the Browns, with the teams from the AFC South. Appreciate you all for listening. Uh, Carry you through here on what will be your Tuesday Locked On Jaguars, Locked On Browns. Appreciate everybody for the time. Uh, Again, uh, subscribe, ratings, iTunes, Spotify. Take care, Tony and I, with that. Appreciate everybody. Until we talk the next time. Bye-bye.